we want to say um, happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers. Why don't all the mothers stand up? And let's just give them yes. all a clap. It's a, yes. it's a selfless job, yes. I tell you. I know. God bless you. And if you're not a mother, you've had a mother. Believe me, all of us in this room have had a mother, so uh, <laughs> we understand that. <laughs> I was listening this morning to, to uh, some a message by Pastor Tim Barker, our superintendent, and he was sharing this poem, uh, kind of a poem or a little written-up thing, and I wish I had a copy to read to you, but it was about mean mothers. And it was written by a, 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 a child saying, I have a mean mother, and the, he was saying, my friends can all pack their own school lunches with the candy and all the stuff that they want, but I have to take my lunch that my mom packs with apples and fruit and sandwiches in it. And I have a mean mother because my kids, my friends get to school early in the morning because they can just eat a bowl of cereal and run off. But my mom makes me sit down and eat a full breakfast. And it goes on and on and on and then until the child is grown. And I just sat there and chuckled and laughed. And, and so here's to all the mean mothers out there, which I probably yes. was one of them too at one time. I remember my daughter saying, you're mean. <laughs> I think we all get that sometimes. But anyway, so we're Roger and Debbie Outdorf. If you haven't uh, heard us speak before, and yes, there's an accent. We come from Wisconsin. We're the token cheeseheads of the South Texas district. <laughs> That's what you'll hear. But we were in Mexico for, for 20 years as missionaries. We took our three little kids. They were 8, 9, and 14, and we did the crazy and wild thing and just pulled them out and sent them with us and went to another country. We didn't go the way that we recommend our missionaries go now. We just kind of, we knew God said go. And we're like, okay, Lord, that's what we're going to do. So we did some missions training and we sold everything we had, took our three kids and landed in the city of Monterey, Mexico, about 7 million people. We didn't speak the language and coming from Wisconsin, we know si, okay, no, and baño. That was the, the four words that we knew. <laughs> and but one's more important than the rest of them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and, but you know what? When you're relying on God and you just put your faith in him, you know when he, you want to do what he calls you to do. Yes. You don't want to be the Jonah, right? He calls you to go. You need to go. He calls you to stay. You need to stay. You need to do what he calls you to do because God is always more faithful than we can ever imagine or he always will be more faithful no matter what in our life. And we have seen that. We landed in Monterey with our kids, no, no place to stay, slept in our vehicle for a week. But you know what? God provided. He provided everything we needed right in his time. Sometimes it's yes. not our time, but he has a plan in it all, right? And so after 20 years of being in Mexico and, and training young people up, sending them to different countries of the world and, and receiving short-term missions uh, teams and evangelizing in the city, giving out New Testaments, and just stories and stories of God's faithfulness and his yeah. miracles, we felt uh, about six years ago him calling us back to the States. And we were like, what are we going to do? Missions is deep in our heart. And so he called us to work into an inner city ministry in San Antonio, Mexico, or San Antonio, Mexico. San Antonio, it's, it's a Hispanic area. There's about a thousand San Antonios in Mexico, you know. Yeah. Yes, there is, uh, small little villages. But, um, and so we are working in the inner city ministry. It's a Hispanic area, so we get to continue with our Spanish there. And there are people 
just like here, anywhere you go, people that are just looking for hope. And who is the hope giver? Jesus. And that's what we're here there for, just to give them hope. Shining light in the darkness. It's a really rough and tough area. There's prostitution and drugs and gangs and all of that kind of stuff. It's the area when we came, our kids said, you don't, where are you going to be? No, no, you don't go there at night. But you know what? When God calls you, what do you do? You need to go. And he's still faithful to us. And I'm so thankful for that. And uh, also the South Texas District has asked us to be the missions directors. So we also get to be involved in the lives of our missionaries and interviewing missionaries and our missionaries that are all around the world. At this current time, South Texas District has 70 career missionaries, fully appointed missionaries that are in the U.S. and around the world. And so it's such a huge thing. I'm telling you what, Friendships Church, you guys are doing a part of evangelizing in the world. Thank yes. you so much for what you guys do. Yes. It's exciting. Yes. Thank you. You may think, I'm just sitting here doing nothing, but you know what? Prayers are impacting the world. These yes. missionaries need your prayers. Your financial support, you're impacting the world. You don't know what that means to the missionary. I I'm going to just tell you just a quick little story. We were um, on the west side in, in where we work in Agora Ministries, and there was this lady, Carmen, and she was a rough and tough lady. She dressed like a man, shaved her all her hair off. She was a big lady. She would, she would take her phone and her wallet and stuff it down her bra, and she just kind of marched everywhere, and, and she was like, what do you got? You got water? I want your water. You got a taco? Give me your taco. And she just demanded things, and people would back away from her. She would come to our services at our food pantry. We did a bilingual service on a Wednesday morning. She would come sit in the very front. And when we would speak, she would always have comments. And she would come up and want to grab the mic. We fought for the mic until we came to a relationship. I said, you can speak, but I'm holding the mic because I never knew what would come out of her mouth. She, she could, she could uh, speak more than a sailor on some of the words, I'm telling you. <laughs> but Did you, you know second, what? I was in the Navy. I don't use those words. I know words. you were. <laughs> Not no. anymore. Thank you, Jesus. No. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to say that through the process of being with her and loving on her, no matter what yeah. and how she acted, Amen. we just loved her. Loved her through it all. Pray for her. She'd always, come over here. I need your prayers. Okay, I'd come over and pray for her. And you never really knew. I was in an accident this week, and I was like, really? Sometimes you wondered, you know. But she just needed people to love her because she yeah. was kind of unlovable. But you know what? A year ago now, we were there one time, and my knee was bothering me, and she said, get over here. And I went over to her, and I'm telling you, she demanded things, and she said, let me pray for you. You always pray for me. I said, okay. So she put her hands on my knees, and she started praying. And I'm telling you, the sweetest thing came out of her mouth, just the sweetest words. Jesus yeah. had transformed her life. She had received Christ as her Savior, during that time up before that, still was a rough character, but he was transforming her life. And then uh, it was about a month or two later, all of a sudden we heard that she had passed away in her home. But you know what? God had made a precious soul out of her. Her son was in jail. He used to beat her up. He was in jail when she, uh, when she passed away because everybody immediately thought, oh, did he do it to her? Um, but it wasn't him, and when we saw him at the funeral, he said, I just want to tell you that when I was in jail, a chaplain, now what did Pastor Jason go to do? A chaplain came in and spoke to me, and, and I gave my life to Jesus, 
And so her greatest wish was that her son would straighten his act up, and he's going to see her in heaven again. So you never know what missions is, and I just wanted to share that with you. God bless you, and uh, we just thank you for this opportunity. I know God is going to be with you guys during this transitional time, and I'm excited for Pastor Jason and Angela, what they're doing, and also for the possible new pastors that you will be having. God bless you. Amen. I got one. Oh, you have your own. Hallelujah. Amen. I would uh, like to say uh, that was my mother, but it's my wife. But I tell you, there's times when she tells me what to do, and I just go, yes, ma'am. You know? Earlier years, I'd fight her, but I don't anymore because she wins all the time. It's just, Father God, it's not fair. How is it she wins all the time? Which, thank, thank you, Jesus, that she does, right? You know? Father God, we give you praise and glory and honor. Amen? Gracias, Señor, por todo, porque Él es digno. He is worthy of our praise, our prayer. Hallelujah. You know, today, Jesus loves you. You know that yesterday, even before you ever knew him, he loved you, he died for you, he shed his blood for you. Amen? And every single day, he calls you. Every single day, the Father's Spirit is upon you. And every day, he's placing you among those who are lost those who are lonely, those who are hurting. And in this time and season of what we've been through, God is calling you to smile, calling you to be grateful, calling you to reach out and touch the lives of your neighbors and your friends and those at work and those you don't know. It's amazing the opportunities that Debbie and I get to share Jesus in different ways just simply by saying, how are you today, ma'am? Or how are you doing today, sir? And just try to strike up a conversation. Some people are, of course, afraid to, or they back up or put on four extra masks, whatever it takes. But, but this is it. You are the answer in their lives. You know, you're scared to do it, but just please remember, God has equipped you. God has empowered you. God has placed his spirit within you. And he is constantly calling you. Constantly putting his hand on your shoulder, hand on your head. And he has great plans for you. So great that the, the end of what the world calls end is the beginning of eternity for you. Someone say amen. I'm going to talk about the sower of seed today. It starts out in Matthew 13, 1, and we'll end, I don't know, wherever the Holy Ghost tells me. Um, uh, the young lady, who's in charge again? The young lady? It's, what? Is she here? She's where? So we could talk about her. She doesn't know it, right? And like Debbie said, we are from northern Wisconsin, so I could have said, well, you guys, let's go, eh? But we live, we grew up and lived too close to Canada, and that's their fault for my accent. Uh, could be my uh, Norwegian mother and German father, and in being about an hour from Lake Superior, so maybe that's it. But anyway, 
thank you, Jesus, for San Antonio, except there are some days when it's a little too hot and Houston's a little hotter and humid. But I love being here. All three of our kids have moved here, work here. Praise God. Grandchildren, all of that, right? Someone say, thank you, God, for grandchildren. I'm sure your kids are great, but our grandchildren are just simply better. I'm sorry. You know, (laughs) he said... Put them up, buddy, right now. Let's. Hallelujah. I love being here. You know, every time I come here, I just feel so free. You know, in fact, let's just take four or five hours, eh? (laughs) That's it. That's it. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. And a large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat, some leaky, smelly, fishy, yucky boat, and he rows out, and he sets there, and he begins to teach the people on the shore. Oh, I'm telling you, I can close my eyes and just see that. I can just imagine that happening, and I think it's just beautiful. And this morning, I decided to go into message and add a little bit because you guys are so patient. But, you know, it's this. It's questions that I have. How many people came And how far did they travel? And who were they? And who were they? We know who they are. Just like today, people who are desperate for change and or a miracle in their lives. People who are just desperate for their friends to change, their family to change, themselves. That's who walked all that way to listen to Jesus. Some came because their cottage or house was a block away. Some came because they were walking all night or all day to get there. I mean, Jesus is a rock star. He he is known for miracles. He raised the dead. He took the evil spirit of a man and threw it into a thousand different pigs and sent them down into the lake. This guy has done everything that is impossible, right? And they're gathering. Can you imagine the excitement and all the conversation? Well, I heard he did this. I heard he did that. I heard he walked on water. I heard this and that and all those things. And they're all excited, and they should be. Imagine standing there. He's the creator of all things. He's the most brilliant mind and the most powerful being to ever just touch the face of the earth, to literally just walk among mankind. And he sets in this boat, playing with his oars, adjusting himself just right, and he begins to project his voice over the water. Someone shout out, Amen. Can you imagine? Again, i got to say, can you imagine just listening to his every word I wonder if there were anyone as they just, as he continued to taught, teach, he, they leaned a little more forward, leaned a little more forward, and finally took a nosedive because they fell forward flat on their face. I don't know. No one else is speaking like him. No one else is teaching like him. No one else is just walking through a crowd and just his presence heals people, heals the blind. He was something that never, ever, ever before walked among mankind. Gosh, 
I can't wait to get to heaven and see the movie. I'm going to rent it right away. Healing, raising the dead, feeding thousands of people with a can of tuna, a couple of smelt or a little fish and, and some pieces of bread. Oh, my gosh. And then he begins to teach in this particular point. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. Please know this message is absolutely for you, to you, about you, right? And about everyone who reads the word of God and believes it. And as he scattered them across the field, some seed fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. You know this, you've read this before. Other seed fell on shallow ground or, and with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, repeat after me, deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, say fertile soil. God bless you. A little weaker that second time. Holy Spirit, just empower them. And this seed that fell on fertile soil, it produced a crop of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much has been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand, right? I had the honor, uh, oh boy, a whole bunch of years ago, but I had the honor of watching these farmers plant their fields in the spring up in the mountains south of Monterrey, Mexico. And this particular field, it wasn't a large field. If They would have had a tractor in there if they could have afforded it, but instead it was the field that was between the large field and the ditch and the highway. Some places it was 25 feet wide, some places it was six or seven feet wide, and there were stones here and stones there, but between the stones was fertile, fertile soil. And this family gathered together, and I just, I got to watch the whole thing because I was driving this school bus up the mountain, and, uh, you know, this rickety thing that as you shift gears, you speak in tongues, just in case. And, and as, I, as I'm climbing this mountain, and I just had equipment. I didn't have a lot of people with me. I'm coming around, not the last turn, because I don't think the turns ever ended. But I'm coming around this turn, and I, th- I thought, oh, my gosh, this is, this is sharp, only to meet another turn that, of course, swings me to the right. And I'm, I'm shifting that old international bus down in gears, get it into first gear, I'm letting out the clutch, and it's going whoop, 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 and I'm going around that corner, and I'm looking out the mirror to make sure my back uh, rear tires are still actually on the road, and at my front tire, I'm looking out going, oh, Jesus, let that thing stay wherever it is, in midair or whatever, and I get around that corner, and I'm, I'm wore out. I had been driving for about three hours to get there, and by the time I got up there, I'm just wore out, so my plan before I seen this family seeding their property, I pulled over to the edge of the road, made sure it was safe, people could get by me. I had, a, I think, a, probably a Diet Coke, 
God forgive me, I'm still hooked on it. And, and uh, uh, some sandwiches, heavenly sandwiches, because a young lady in the front row made them. And I pulled over, and I'm going to take a break. Well, when I get done, emergency break, everything all set. Well, all of a sudden, I realize almost right in front of me, I got perfect view out of the bus window, is this family, and they're scattering seed. I mean, I'm sitting there going, oh, boy, this is going to be a great sermon uh, 20 years from now. No, I didn't think that. But I thought, this is kind of unique. Well, the thing was, they formed a line, like, let's say, Let's say it was this wide in that section. Maybe they had a rock there and a rock there. Grandpa was here, grandma, mom, dad, and the kids. And the smallest of the kids were out there. They were literally a seed planting team. And they all had a satchel, a bag, on their left side. And they always all had their left hand on the outside of that bag and they would take one step forward, half a step with their left foot, and they would take their right hand, reach in, grab the seed, and you could, all of them, from the little ones up, and they would shake that seed till they had just the right handful of seed, and as they took that next step, they would bend down and scatter it directly in front of them. And the theory being, if they all do that evenly, they're getting seed planted on that freshly plowed field that was done by a plow and a donkey probably and I thought oh my gosh this is amazing and then they would stop and repeat it stop and they would repeat it and I'm eating my sandwiches thinking this is just unbelievable I'm from Wisconsin we use immense tractors and all of that sort of thing and they do here in Texas too yes your tractors are bigger than Wisconsin I understand you're Texas probably faster too whatever but anyway, I was just, I was amazed at this. You see, after they were reaching that bacon and scattered that seed, it was, it was as if this, and just see if you can catch my heart here, it was, it was like I was sort of stunned at the fact that they were doing such a beautiful rhythm and their beautiful footwork. It was like a dance or a ballet before the Lord. And they obviously had good practice at it. And they would just move down that. And I was just enamored by that. You see, they would scatter that seed like an act of faith. But it takes more than faith. They scattered that seed with a sense of commitment. I want to eat this winter. Are you with me? And Grandpa led. And the whole family was there. It, it affected me spiritually. I'm sitting in that old international bus, and I'm sure it's in heaven today. But, but at the time, I may have said a couple of words that were a little rough to it here and there. But anyway, it, they had this trust that just affected me. And all summer long, we would travel up that mountain. We decided that this is the area we were going to work for 12 months. And we would bring teams. Debbie and I had to dream that maybe 
God would bless us and would have a team once a month, something like that. And us and our kids and our dachshund and maybe a couple of volunteers, we didn't know that the ministry was going to explode. We didn't know that we were going to end up with around 35 to 45 full-time staff. We didn't know that I was going to have to, in faith, promise a couple businessmen that I'd pay for that five-story building that they told me I could have. I didn't know that teams would come from Canada, from every state in this union, that they'd come from all over South America. I didn't know we would be getting phone calls for teams to come to do ministry from Japan, from South Africa, all over Europe. You want to have a fun time, host 20 Koreans who don't speak English. Multiple times from these enormous Assembly of God churches in Korea. And they, they didn't need to speak Spanish or English. Their dramas, their singing, their performance was so phenomenal. And people would run to the front for the altar call, even though it was being done in Korea. Korean, I should say. Just amen, right? We just went there in faith. We had been in a radio station, Debbie and I, for a few years. Debbie was on the air. I was a salesman. You want to know what hard work is? Sell Christian radio spots against the country stations and the rock and roll stations. That's where you find out if you're a man or not. <laughs> and if God is real or not. And we actually survived and made a living. Then we would take teams to Mexico two or three a year, and that's where God caught us. I'm telling you right now, God has caught you, and God is calling you. And whether it's Mexico or your neighbor, God is going to give you the power and the authority to step out of yourselves and your selfishnesses and step into the lives of your neighbors, your cousins, your friends, and people at work, just, just like those people who hounded Jesus, wherever they could get a chance to hear him, to speak, to touch, to just do something, because they were desperate, desperate. That's America today. That's your neighbors today. And your power is unbelievable. It's called a smile, a real one. It's called being grateful. It's called loving others. And he's gifted every single one of you, whether you're to go up in a mountain with a worn-out international bus and start a new ministry, or whatever it is, God loves your neighbors too, and your family. And this area is so packed with people who just need to hear a kind voice and a sweet conversation, whether it's behind a mask or not, right? Well, I got up to that village. It's called Zaragoza, Mexico. You could take your maps and go Zaragoza, Mexico, and show you right where it is. And if you pan out, you'll see all the different villages around it, and we did ministry in every single one of those little villages, 
Zaragoza was a town at the end of uh, seven waterfalls. Each pool under those waterfalls had, oh my gosh, if you're a fisherman, you'd go crazy, just packed with trout. And they raised the trout and sell, sold it as an industry. And if you'd pan out on Zaragoza, Mexico, you'd see all these little villages. Most of them are in the desert and really dry places. And God called us to go to every single one of those places over the years, multiple times, just coming in with New Testaments, not using Reina Valera, or here we'd call it King James. I wanted to give them a New Testament that they could actually understand because they weren't really reading the Bible. And why bring them Old English or Old Spanish when I could bring them a new living in Spanish? And they would open it up and immediately understand what God was saying, regardless of their education, right? And we just gave them out by the thousands and thousands everywhere we went. Well, what did we do when we went to a village? Same thing we did everywhere. First thing we do is come into the town and meet the city leaders if we could. The second thing we did is we'd meet the pastors. It doesn't matter if there are 10 people in the town, there's still going to be seven churches. Or maybe it's a bigger town, more churches. And we went into Zaragoza first, met all the pastors, all the flavors. Does God really give a hoot whether you're Assemblies of God or whether you're a Baptist or Lutheran or Catholic or whatever? It's all about this right here. And have you opened this to receive his son? And so I'm Assembly of God. I'll preach to anybody, and I'm never going to stop. And my preaching is never preaching, it's just being a friend. Amen. Well, we would go in, meet the pastors, and then we started bringing teams. What do you do with an old church that's fallen down? It's simple. You build benches because they need them. And you always build more than they have people. And you have to repair all the doors that are hanging off the hinges. And if there's seven windows, eight of them are broken. So you've got to replace the windows. And every roof leaks, common denominator with old churches. And then door-to-door evangelism. Just a simple style. You'd have a bag with some beans, some flour, some salt, some cornmeal, and tortillas, as much as you can carry, or they'll make them anyway. Right? And a smile knock on the door, and before you even say hello, you pass them the food with a smile. And then you begin to talk. Whether you were Korean or wherever you came from, you'd have this little little booklet so you could have an opportunity to totally destroy their language. And they, and they loved it. There's nothing worse than a northern cheesehead trying to speak Spanish. I mean, it's taken me 55 years to learn it, and, and I've only been there 20, and then back here, six, but I'm still learning, in other words. Door-to-door evangelism is all about love. I don't even like the word because it sounds scary. Hey, let's all go evangelizing. I'm the first one out the door the other way, right? But let's go meet some people and give them some groceries. And we did services every night in one of those little churches, didn't matter if there was anyone there or not, we preached the gospel of Jesus. And people would come. And then we'd go to the local schools. 
It doesn't matter how strict they are, they have nothing. So when we'd show up with several hundred dollars of pencils, paper, notebooks, everything you can imagine, we were allowed in. And we got to do school programs. And we followed that simple system all of those years. And amen, right? Well, just like those sowers of seed, in the fall, they harvested this beautiful field of wheat. And we harvested this beautiful field of lost souls. Amen. The lessons I learned from that family, and I, we still use them today. Debbie and I work with Agora Ministries in the inner city or west side of San Antonio. And we, uh, we work with the food pantries, and we're also on the board and other leadership positions. But we learned this about faith. It takes endurance. It takes commitment, same as scattering that seed. It takes allowing yourself to be discipled no matter how old you are or experienced. They harvested wheat. We harvested souls. Debbie, I have about, what, two hours to go? Don't freak out now, sir. She'll throw something at me. As Jesus sat by the lake waiting for the crowds to arrive that day, having a cup of coffee or tea or whatever and a piece of bread or something, fish, he's preparing the teaching in his mind. And do you think he knew that this story of the sower of seed would be retold and retold over 20 centuries in every country on the face of the earth multiple times, right? He's calling you to teach this story. I came here this morning to have fun with you and crack a couple of jokes, but I came here to challenge you. Would you please scatter seed? Because America is so desperate for you. They are so desperate for you. You see the story of scattering seed the gospel to the nations is a rhythm. It's a heartbeat of missions. Debbie and I always look at each other and we'll just sort of sing, which we do horribly, to the nations, to the nations, to the nations. That's the heartbeat and rhythm of missions. That's the heartbeat and purpose of this assembly of God church, to the nations to the nations, to the nations. Then Jesus came to them and said, All heaven and earth has been given to me. Someone say amen. amen. And then, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Would you all stand to your feet, please? And Debbie, would you just check, make sure everyone's standing, if they're not, just get them, okay, honey? Mom, there's mom right there, I'm telling you. <laughs> I want to challenge you today. <clears throat> Excuse me. How rich 
And how fertile is your heart today? And how willing is your mind today to receive God's seed? He's sowing into your life every day. Amen? And we need to ask ourselves, we need to implore ourselves, all of us, challenging us, having that strong conversation with yourself. Are we shallow and stony ground, folks? Have we hardened our hearts? We all have those moments. Or are we allowing God's Spirit to enrich our minds and our very soul? Are you willing to step out of yourselves, out of your selfishnesses, and step into that rhythm of God? Because he's playing that tune this very moment to the nations, to the nations, to the nations, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'll end with this. See if you can imagine this. You're standing in heaven. Someone shout out, Amen! Amen. I made it! By the grace of God, right? And you're standing there and you're understanding that God's most valued gift is souls. And there are these presenters in front of you and they're presenting saved folks from every single nation on the face of the earth. And to give you an example, an African missionary is presenting Russians that gave their life to Christ. Someone say amen. And an Arab missionary is presenting an Afghani that has received Christ. And an Indian missionary who was sent to Dubai is presenting emirate folks before the Father. And a Swedish missionary is presenting Turks. And a Latino missionary is presenting Indonesians. You see, God is calling every nation, to go to every nation. And just so you understand, those examples right there are already happening, and that's just Assembly of God missionaries. There are lots of denominations and churches that are being obedient and marching in that rhythm to the nations, to the nations, and we're all brothers and sisters in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, we will stand before this abundant harvest. And there will be a flood of abundant joy. Like we do not have the capability of understanding the joy of standing before all nations, all these people, young and old, all singing glory, glory, Glory to God. Amen. I, I don't know if we're completely capable. We're just comprehending what we're going to see when we enter the kingdom. Oh, I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ. Go to the nations whether it be with a, tri a trip or an offering, 
Go to your neighbors with a bag of food or something. Go to those that you work with. Go to your families. The end results will be unbelievable. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Oh, gracias, Gracias, Señor, por Ven, Señor, ven y llénanos con tu Espíritu Santo. Come, Lord Jesus, and fill us with your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, Father God. You're calling this church. The rhythm is simple. The dance is easy to the nations, to the nations. To the nations, turn to somebody. Just put your hand on their shoulder if you can. Mask the mask, however you do it. And just pray to them in the Spirit. Pray to them that Jesus blesses them in English or Spanish or whatever you can do. But don't leave the house of God without blessing some of your brothers and sisters. And thank you so much for allowing Debbie and I to come here today and to be with you.